We have a, a very important parasha coming up this week, Parashat Shelah, about the spies, and it's it's not it's a, a, very, a story that needs a lot of clarification. We read the parasha, and we just go through it, and we don't really get that message. There's a lot to talk about in this parasha. A lot of things are under the lines, in between the lines, under the lines. A lot going on, and it's one of the most important episodes that took place in the desert when Amish came out of Egypt that caused a lot of big changes in Jewish history later on. And that's why we must talk about this case. Just even to explain the story, the way it took place, to give the idea in order to learn out from it what we have to learn out. I, I just, I saw yesterday, nice sefer yesterday, it's called the Shulchan Shabbat, the very nice sefer from Rabbi Moshe Scheinfeld. Very, very special. I'm going to just use his, use his material here a little bit here. Oh, I should say a lot because he's had, he, he really covered this ground very nicely. But here we did way some stuff. So it starts off with like a, like a little Mashal. Let's say a guy's driving down. Uh, driving down the road. And suddenly he, he has this cop on back of him. And he doesn't know what's going on. He checks his speed. He's doing all right with his speed. He has a seatbelt. There's no one to call extra. I mean, he's, he's going to go to still. His heart starts banging. Maybe the the cop's going to find some kind of a... Some kind of a fabricate something against him. Just to enhance <laughs> the treasury of the country. On his account. Even though sometimes a person does admit that he's doing something wrong. Okay, maybe he's, he's speeding a little bit. Who knows? But that's when a regular citizen... Is, is being followed by a cop. Well, let's say somebody very big, let's say uh, some <laughs> they had a transit company in New York gets caught because of some violation. That's that's going to be a big big thing in the papers. It's going to be in the ton on the headlines. Why? Because you expect much more from the head of the transit himself than from regular from a regular citizen. At least what's connected to his to his item. He works he works on the transit. How's he going against the law? So thereby them, any small deviation from the law is going to be a big big hit. This is the introduction. What we have deal have deal to separate holy from profane. When we talk about the sin of the spies, that's mentioned in the parasha, and in general, we talk about the sin of early great, great personalities in history. The greater the person was in the spiritual aspect, that's how much more was expected from him. And a smaller mistake was considered a big breach in the wall. So that's why when we talk about the spies, we have to realize, that we have to be careful, we're talking about big people. The generation of Mitzrayim that came out of Egypt were great people. They were called Dor De'a, generation of knowledge. They saw the miracles, they saw the plagues in Egypt, they saw Yam Suf being ripped open. They saw Har Sinai, Mount Sinai. These spies were the presidents of the tribes. It's not why people are friends now, block. So you have to know, these things are not simple, 
And we have to try to get out from it what we can get out from it to learn on our level from these people. Let's go back to the, to the story itself. Am Yisrael was in their desert 40 years, we know. From when they came out of Egypt till they got into Israel. Now that was not supposed to happen. The original plan was that right out of coming after Har Sinai, what happened back for 40 years, 30 years more, was the sin of the spies. Obviously, it came out. What was the purpose of sending spies to Israel? When Hashem told them, I'm going to take it to Israel, a land flowing in milk and honey. Fantastic land. Suddenly, they want, they want to send spies. Now, what was it? What was it Moshe Rabbeinu told them? Moshe Rabbeinu, he told the, uh, he told, he told them, the spies what to do. You go see the land. Go see the land. Check it out. Are they strong people? Are they weak? Are they small amount? Or they big quantity, a lot of people. Is the land a good land? Has well springs? Is uh, cities strong cities or fortified cities? How's how's the vegetation there? How the trees? Well, Shannon said yes. He told them. He told them what to look for. Look the way a person spies out of land to see how they are. Can we capture them? Are they strong enough? Now, obviously, Moshe Rabbeinu, he knew it's a good land. Hashem told him. He didn't need his spies, Moshe Rabbeinu. But this is what happened. Okay, so they sent the spies. They sent the spies the second year they came out of Egypt. They went for 40 days. They, 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 they went over the whole land of 40 days. They went from east to west and the whole west coast up to the north. They came down again. And they returned on to Shabbat. Night of Av, that's that they were sent. That was the day they came back. They were sent on the 29th day of Sivan, this month of this month Sivan. And they came back in Tetbaat, Shabbat. Now, what did they pass, what did they give over when they came back, these spies? They gave, they, they gave over the news. And they said, we came to the land you have sent us. And yes, it's true. It has, it's flowing and looking honey. And the proof of that is this, is this fruit, look at this fruit. They agreed that the land is great. And they showed us what they bring back. We know the sense that they brought back three items. Eight men carried one cluster of grapes. They needed eight men of the time, the desert. They're strong, they're very strong people those days. Eight, eight people had to carry, eight presidents carried one cluster of grapes. Not a whole vine, one cluster of grapes. That's pretty big, because we know that when a person carries himself, if he carries with his friend, he can carry more than twice, more twice as much, almost 3,000 pounds. Because you have more, more, more power to people than one, much more. And that's eight people together carrying. Can you imagine that? Means each grape, who knows, can make how many bottles of wine can make one grape. One grape, bottles of wine, and one grape. And one man carried, one president carried 
A fig? One fig? One fig. And one carried one pomegranate. Well, this is just a humongous thing, this gigantic fruit. Yoshua bin Nun and Kalev and Yifuneh, the two Tadikim, did not carry anything. Because they, they had felt from the beginning that these spies have some kind of some reason why they want to say something not good. They had to say. Now, they said, they showed the fruits to the people, to Moshe Rabbeinu, but they said right away, but you have to know, the nation is very powerful, and the cities are very fortified, they're tremendous, gigantic cities. And we saw giants in, the city, in, in, in those places, we saw giants. And it's, it's very doubtful to capture such a place like that. Now picture, picture this situation, spies, it's like I have the news reporters that have deal. Spies are giving you a whole news report, and they're showing in front of Amisrael the way it is. And they didn't have any Skype those days, they couldn't see anything, they didn't have it. But they're telling him that they were trusting the spies for what they saw. You have 10 people testifying to what they saw. And these are the heads of Amisrael, these are the presidents of the nations, of the nation. Each tribe sent, sent, one, sent one president. And they're saying that according to what they have in their hand, according to what the, the way it sounds, statistic-wise, percentage-wise, this is not possible to capture that land. Out of nowhere, Caleb and Yifune, one of the spies from the tribe of Yehuda, he speaks up and he says, No. He, he doesn't go against it. He's not saying it's not a strong land. He's saying... We still can capture them. Because there's no question about that Hashem took us to here, through Egypt, through the Yamsuf, and all that took place up until now, there's no question that even against nature, we'll be able to succeed against those giants. And yet, the ten men, they went back and said, no, they said back, no, we can't go up, to, we can't fight. It's too strong. There's no way. We saw the people. All the people we saw there were people, people that need to be measured. They were giants. And we even saw the real, real giants, the ones that came down from the Malachim in the beginning, before the flood. Before the flood, angels were thrown down from heaven. And it's their, their offspring. They're giants, real, real giants. And we, 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 we look like, in our own eyes, like grasshoppers. And so we were in their eyes. It means the spies themselves felt, they said, the Rashi brings down that they said, they heard the giant saying that there are these, these like ants or grasshoppers that look like men, they're hiding in the, in the clusters of grapes. Imagine that kind of a, they call them ants or grasshoppers. So awesome. Now, Kalev and Yifune, it's like he's on, he's, on the, on, he's on the minority. He's one against ten. And normally people accept the, 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 the majority rule. And because of the whole mess up, people started to cry. They all started to cry. And they cried that night. And they complained to Moshe and Aaron. They said, they should have died in Egypt or in the desert. Why don't you bring, why, why bring us to this country? They all killed them and their children be knocked out. Imagine, the entire congregation is crying and they don't want to go to Israel. They don't want to go to Israel. Suddenly, so Yehoshua, 
who was the other good spy, he joined Caliph and he says, they made opposition together and he said, the land that we both traveled is a very, very good land. If Hashem wants us and will bring us to this land, he'll give it to us. Just don't rebel against this. Just don't rebel against Hashem. Just don't rebel. Hashem will be with us and we'll knock them out. They tried all their might, these two tzaddikim, to convince the nation, but without success. The nation listened to the majority, and they even said, let's stone these two men. Let's kill them. They wanted to kill Yoshua and Caliph. Imagine that. Why? Because they had to come with a claim against him. How you, you want us, you want us, Put us in danger, endanger our lives, of our families, going to this country with these giants. So they wanted to kill them. At this point, when they came to its peak, so Hashem's presence appeared. The Shekhinah came down and spoke of Moshe Rabbeinu. And he says like this, Hashem, until when will this nation spite me and get me upset and not believe in me with all the, the, the miracles that I have done for him, for this nation. I have no choice. I'm just going to knock them out with a plague, all of them, and I'll make you, Moshe, out of you comes a great nation. Because Hashem, Hashem did, He swore to the forefathers that He's going to keep their, keep their children, be a nation in front of Him. So Hashem says, you know what? I'll make you the nation. Instead of saying, B'nai Israel, from now on we're going to say, B'nai Moshe. And that's it, I'll be, be a mighty holy nation out of you. Of course, we're almost just being tested now, big test. What should have been? What should have been stood up? And he says to Hashem, he put forward a new idea. He said, Hashem, but it's going to be a desecration of your name. If you're going to do what you're saying how to do to the nation to wipe them out, what's Egypt going to say? Imagine, they're going to hear... They know the, they heard the miracles that happened. They were in Egypt to testify. Nations heard. People heard. Slime's going to say, wow. He has such power with this creator of theirs. They're almighty. He took him. He knocked out Yamsuf and Mount Sinai and everything else. All these miracles. And yet, maybe he couldn't handle. Maybe he couldn't handle the giants in Israel. That was too much for him. Hasbe Shalom. So, but he swore, to, he swore to them, so what should he do? So he decided, instead just to kill them, that's all, and therefore there's no people to take in, so there's no swear. And then he said, just kill them in the desert, that's all. They want to say that, and it's going to be Hashem. Hashem's name is going to be desecrated, looked down upon. That's what Moshe said to, to, to Hashem. And Moshe praised Hashem, Moshe praised Hashem to, 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 to be given. And his prayer was accepted. And Hashem says, I forgive them. I forgive like you asked for. However, Hashem says, but he swore. Hashem swears that all those who do not want to go to Israel will not get in there. They're going to die in the desert, but it won't be in a one-shot deal that my name should be desecrated as if I knocked him out in the epidemic. It's going to take 40 years. They, they, they spied the land 40 days. I'm going to make it easy for them one day per year. It's going to be 40 years. They're going to, it's going to look, it'll look like more nature, natural. People died. But at the end of the day, all of the ones between 20 years old and 60 years old, 
that cried that night are not going into the country. Except for those two, Yoshua and Caliph. And also the women. Interesting to know the ladies, the ladies did not really have that sin. They, they wanted to go in. They were upset at, at the men. So it sounds like from Hazal that ladies did go in to Israel. Now, when Moshe, 40 years later, Moshe was passing away, before he passed away, he gave a whole set of Devarim, was the last 40 years of his life. And he gave them the Musar. He spoke to them. And he mentioned all what took place in the early years of the desert. And he says, yeah, and had that old golden calf. And then he gives out a couple of items and he says, he speaks about the point of the spies. And it seems to be a little unclear. Who, who, whose idea was it to send spies? Was it the nation's idea? Was it Moshe's idea? Was it Hashem's idea? If you open the parasha, opening words, parasha says, and Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, send for you people and spy the land. It sounds like Hashem told Moshe to send the spies. But in Devarim it says a little bit different. It says, it says Moshe told Israel, Hashem sent you to land, giving you the land, go and get it. Don't be afraid. And you all came to me and you said, let us, let us send spies to check out the land and they'll tell us how to go about conquering the land. It's either the Jews, the, the Amisra themselves, the nation themselves, they're the ones that wanted to send the spies. And Moshe agreed. And he says, okay, it was good in my eyes. And I, we took 12 people and we sent them. It sounds like they wanted to send the people, the spies, and Moshe gave the, the agreement. So Rashi discusses this contradiction and she says, Moshe says, in my eyes it was good to send the people, but not in Hashem's eyes. Hashem told me, I'm telling you it's a good land, you want to send spies, it's your own problem. Shalach Nechah and Hashem sent for you. It sounds like the ones that wanted to send spies was the Jewish people themselves. Moshe said it's a, it's, it's a good idea, but Hashem doesn't want, that's what happened with the idea. So Hashem tells him, you send the spies. So the question is, if Moshe Rabbeinu knows that Hashem is not really interested in sending spies, he doesn't want this item, why did he insist? And why did he send those spies? So the Midrash tells us in Mashal, a guy one time wanted to buy a donkey. So the buyer went to the, to the seller and he asked him, how is this donkey? Does he have enough power? Could he carry the real loads? So the seller tells him, listen, it's a, it's, I'm telling you, it's a very it's a, it's a top quality donkey, strong, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy the donkey. So he says, the buyer tells the seller, do you agree if I just take this for a test? For the, the test drive. So the seller, the seller told him, no problem, not my pleasure. Go take it for a test. So the guy asked him, can I take him over to the high mountains? The down valleys and mountains? He says, no problem. When the buyer saw that the seller was so readily agreed, agreed he agreed very much without a problem to any kind of a test on the, on the donkey. So he says, okay, I'm, I'm buying it. Without even testing it, the actual agreement that you're not afraid that I should test the donkey out on the height on the heights of the mountains, that's a sign to me enough that the donkey is in good shape. Otherwise, what is right to tell me? Try, yeah, no, maybe not. So that's the Mashal, the parable. So to Moshe, the nation comes to him to send spies, and the shit tells Moshe, "Do you want to send? Send." Moshe understood that shit does not does, 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 
doesn't really want them to sin. But he's thinking how to cause I mean, how to cause the, the, the people to go to back down from sending spies. Well, she figured that the actual agreement, uh, if Pharaoh agreed to them to send spies, they'll, they'll realize that well, for she's agreeing to send spies, it must be it's got to be a good land, no big deal, it's got to be great. However, that was not accepted. They didn't accept it. Got messed up. Now, the Midrash even tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu even was hard to say it, but there was a point that, a very deep point over here, that Moshe agreed to a certain thing. They, they told him, but they're hiding their money, let's say. And we have to want to find out where their money's going to be hidden, so we get them, we, come say, we get the monies. So Moshe said, okay, you want to go for that? You can send the spies. But there was a real deep, deep problem here that we're going to get to right now. King David of Tehillim talks about, chapter 106, talks about this historical event of the spies, and he says like this, They despised the beloved land, the Kuwait land. They didn't believe in Hashem's word, and they didn't listen to his voice. The word they despised Israel is a very strong language. It means to say that there wasn't any kind of, there was no real strategic reason to not want to go to Israel. It sounded, it sounded that there was something hidden deep inside the people, some reason why they despised Israel. That is a very, very big explanation. What was this thing that's hiding inside the people that they despise at Israel? David the Melech adds on, and he says the effect that Hashem will raise up his hand to them to knock them down in the desert and to knock their seed down amongst the Gentiles and to spread them out in, 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 in the, amongst the world, amongst the nations, in the lands. So that she writes in Tehillim, we know that on that night, the that day that they cried in the desert, that was the, it was decreed upon them the destruction of the two temples. Hashem told them, you, you're crying out for nothing. I'm telling you it's a good land, and you're crying now for nothing. You're going to have to cry every generation on that day. So King David is telling us what took place later on because of that sin. In other words, a direct result of the sin of the spies and of the nation that, did not, that they didn't believe but was decreed upon Am Yisrael to suffer exile for many years. Now, this is something that needs explanation. Up until here is the story itself. Now, the question is screaming. How is it possible to believe that they had these head people of Am Yisrael, that they saw Hashem's great miracles. They had man every day, food from heaven, food from heaven. Every week, they had food from heaven. They had their clothes, clothes were being ironed every day. The clothes of the children, the people grew with the people. So now we'll be there every, every, daily, daily, daily. They had this, this rolling stone would roll with them in the desert when they camped they would just come out of it in a river and break off to every every tribe and break off to all different areas pure water miracle straight up how 
possible that they won't rely upon Hashem and they're going to speak about Israel. And how is it possible that they, they were able, these spies, to successfully convince the nation that there's no way they can go to Israel? This is a real, real riddle. It needs explanation. The Ba'alei Musar and Hasidut will say a tremendous thing. Now, this question has many, many answers, many, many pages and pages that were written upon this topic. What was the sin? How, what took place here? They bring here the Zohar that says a revelation on this point. There were the spies that were sent. Well, they claimed that it was impossible to capture this land. That really was just a cover-up for a more inner, a more inner reason. Or oh, a reason I should say, a certain um, biasness that they had to themselves. We know the spies were the heads of the country. Obviously, you know, each, these spies were the, heads, the presidents of each, of each nation, of each uh, tribe. They were saying the Shem Shamayim. They felt that it's better to stay in the desert and not to go to Israel. Now, what's the argument? They knew that in the desert they were living in a miraculous way. Like what I just said, everything was miracles. They have miracles, they have the clouds of glory, they have the food, they have the wealth, and that we should have been on the top sitting there, just, just leading them. And he probably have, Moshe calls up, makes a phone call to Hashem, do two seconds, he's on the phone, and Hashem's right there. Who could do that? And contrary to that, you have Ed Israel. They have to go now, and they said they have to go, they're going to have to go capture the land, and they have to fight it out, and then settle, make settlements, and build cities, plant, stop plowing the field and planting, Etc. Etc. Spies. They were great. They were great. Great men. Spiritually, they didn't want to stop this great closest closeness to Hashem that they had in the desert, and they figured that there's going to there's going to be a a, a a lowering in the status of spirituality because of getting involved in physical activity in the land. It's not like a very Shemayim claim, and therefore these big men. They looked for answers and ways how not to enter the land in order to continue the status quo, the high status quo of spirituality with Hashem in the desert. And when it came to the to the idea of spies, they found a way to do it, to hold back the entry to Israel. And that's what they did. Now, we understand, by the way, that this attitude is really a mistake altogether because we know that this this special time in the desert with all the miracles that was not meant to be forever that was just for the meantime after they came out of Egypt for that year when they were about Sinai they stood by the mountains for about a year or so to the Torah and after that that was supposed to let Israel straight and supplying the land that, that was what it was made for we know that Judaism the idea of Judaism is the harmony and the mix between the physical world and the spiritual, which means to take the physical world and to make it holy, sanctify it, because of course, it was meant to be to have to work. But 
that working would be mitkadesh means a person works makes money he's doing it for a noble reason like we said yesterday he's doing it so he can sit and learn Torah and do the right things he, he don't live on a miracle basis the entire life that, that means, means uh, Hashem didn't want that that was just in the meantime to get the people on a high status and then go to Israel so it sounds like that the spies are very Hashem Shamayim over here very very legit it's all for a real, real, real kosher holy reason that they want the Jews to stay under Moshe Rabbeinu, under HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the desert, and see, see, live with the great, great heights of spirituality. However, the Zohar says something else. The Zohar says, reveals, that even this very legit holy calculation was only outwardly. Deep inside of the spies, in the very, very depths of their hearts, there was something else altogether. They knew that when they went to Israel, there's going to be a change, which means because they were commanded to make a king, and there's going to be some changes, which means that maybe they will not be the ones on top. Maybe they're going to lose their position. Now, even if you're going to say that it's also also legitimate in mind that because they want to they want to be on they want to have the mitzvah being on, on top of the people help Am Israel, but deep down, if that was really really hundred percent, it should not be something which can cause evil. And if it did cause the evil, that means that there was something there that was not one hundred percent. And on their level, that little little spark inside that was personal ruined the entire thing. What really was moving them in the whole on the whole fight against going to the land, deep inside was the first the first spark was what's going to be with us when we get to the country. We may be losing our position. Now that's what the Zohar says. Now there's many different explanations, but this is the Zohar's explanation, and this needs to be from something very great, which means like this: we're learning here a very big secret in the power of the soul which each person has to learn from. Many times we do certain things in our lives and the cover is a very nice cover. But the root of the act is really, really harboring on personal interest. And not always we're aware of that. Because not always we, st- we study our root inside. And this is something we, should, we all need to talk about that ourselves. It's not a simple thing, which means we know that many times a person, he, he thinks he's doing the Shem Shemayim. Shem Shemayim? Shem Shemayim? Of course, no, Rabbi, yeah, tell you, you, you got to tell this guy, you got to tell what, 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 really is, what really is causing you to say that? What really is causing you to think like that? Are you really the Shem Shemayim? Are you really, really, do you really care about that guy? Or maybe you have something inside against this guy, maybe, and you want to just, you found a way to get around and to get the rabbi to, to say something to this guy because, and put it in line, and now you'll be happy now because you got, you got back in this guy. It happens in a million ways, a million ways, all of us go through this in life. A lot of times, we cover up, we cover up our real intention, and sometimes not only we cover it up, we don't even know it's there. We think that we're doing really the right thing. 
I don't even see for a second that women are doing great. Women, of course. And he doesn't realize that deep down there's something else that's really, really motivating me to do this thing. There's a very big lesson in the Pedasha here. There's, there's many lessons, but this, we're taking one lesson right now from this Pedasha. Which means like this, a person has to be in touch with somebody qualified. We must have a rabbi in life. You need someone to be close to in life that can see what you don't see about yourself. That's why in the Yishimot, they have what's called a Mashiach. You, know, you have your company, you have, you have, you have, a, you have a caterer, he has a, what's, what's Mashiach? He's supervising, he's supervising what's going on in the kitchen. Is everything okay, 100% legit? Nothing under the, uh, nothing under, uh, under the Hashiachah's the eyes goes by. They try, at least they're trying. And Yeshiva also, the same thing in Yeshiva, in this physical world you have that, or spiritual world, you have to have Mashiach, you have to supervise them. And any business is supervised, what's going on, you have to make sure there's inventory, nothing's going on wrong, accounting, nothing else. Everything needs supervision. How much more so does a guy need supervision than himself? Rabbi, am I doing all right? If you see anything wrong with me, let me know. Rabbi Devoto says, he was a Mashiach at Chaim Berlin and the Cornell Avenue, he was a Mashiach at the Yeshiva for years, many years ago, many years ago. Rabbi Devoto was a Mashiach, who supervised the spiritual overseer of the Yeshiva, Chaim Berlin. He says, one time I came with him to his rabbi, but and he seen me, just let me know it's not good, let me know. He said, he almost fainted, his rabbi. He said, he almost fainted. <laughs> the guy, the guy, the guy, really, did you come to me? He said, he wants, he wants to hear. It's not easy to hear bit about yourself. We're all good people, but all of us, including myself, we have shortcomings. Nobody's perfect, and everybody needs to be helped out with their shortcomings. And a lot of times we can't see it ourselves. We need others to show it to us, to point it out to us, but we don't want people to point it out to us. It hurts, but a person who is looking for perfection in life, which we all should, there's no question about that. We all want to get to climb the ladder of perfection in life. We want to become better, better Jewish people, better Jews, better servants of Hashem. That's what we're here for. So that's what that needs. That needs some supervision. So of course, number one, a person must learn Sifre Musar. A person must study Musar every day. You, you, you have to say it every day of Torah, but you have to have a few minutes of little Musar. Whenever you can do whatever you want to do, you do it, but you got to do something, you have to see the, the, the Mustar Saint Sefarim, the ones that they give us, they guide us, they give us light, and they, they open up to us, our eyes, to see that we wouldn't see otherwise, about our, our, ourselves, certain character traits maybe need to be, to be worked on, not, not, not maybe, all of us need to be worked on, uh, we all need to work on ourselves, each one on a different thing. And also, it's, it's very important to be in touch with somebody that you respect and that you trust his opinion about yourself. But if you need, and, and you can always tell the rabbi, you see anything, let me know. But of course, no one wants that. But really, a person who wants perfection doesn't care who it comes from. Rabbi Akiva, up to age 40, was an unlearned man, an artist. And when he went to the first, like, low-level class, so he had a friend called the Mishmael. And the Mishmael went to the Rebbe in the Homish Gams. We saw Akiva did this, he did this. And the Akiva was so happy that he said about him because he knew that he's going to get more perfect. Now we don't want to say bad bit about us at all, right? But at least, many times you guys hear something said, and you take a second and you think, you know what? That has to be me also, you know. I have to, maybe I have that problem also, you know. 
a lot of times Hashem makes people even hear things sometimes. And, and you ask yourself a question, why do I hear that? Why? And it, even then, it's not, not even said to you, it's said to somebody else, but you overheard something. It's just, it's, just, it's just any kind of a statement that you realize sometimes nothing is for nothing. Maybe there's something there. Maybe something there. I think about what says. Let's say someone tells you something. By the way, you lash, lash back. He says, instead of lashing back right away, he says, go to a nearby room and say, repeat, what, repeat over what he said. And he said, maybe you'll see that there's something there for you to take. Maybe there's something, something maybe not all of it, but maybe there's 5%, 10% that really, really, maybe he's right, this guy, you know? Maybe I was wrong in some way. Maybe I was all wrong, but at least 10%, maybe I was wrong too. So things are being said to us, things, you, be, you, you hear things, during, you see things, and it's everything that you see or hear is meant to be a lot of times, it's a message. You have to read into it. Why did I have to hear that? Why did I see that? Hashem's talking to me. And in this way, a person looks for perfection, Hashem can help him. But when a person doesn't even know, and despise the head, it was buried beneath, and they use a Hashem Shemaim coverage, that was disaster came out of that. It caused the whole problem. It caused the disaster till today. <laughs> hopefully this year will be, be harder, hopefully, but up to last year, it was, it was still on the, sitting on the floor, Shabbos on the floor, no temple. Look what, look, 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 what, look what can be the cause. Look what, look what something like that, a small interest can cause national, international disaster because of, how we see this all the time, how many, they have by the Goyim? How many times find yeah, officials and governments, all kinds of things, but they have their own agenda, own interests. We know that. That's that's, that's pursuit. But we're saying now, Hidushit, even in a religious form, there's a possibility a person could be covering on something that's deep down, hidden inside. And that's why we're saying we must study Musar. A person must look to get more perfected in his character. And not to be, not to feel bad if he finds some kind of a mistake inside of us, because we're all full of mistakes. But that's the way to grow. And if someone tells you something, accept. Don't just lash back. Hear what he has to say. Maybe he's right. Maybe not all right, but maybe he's possibly right. It's already, it's already enough. It's already worth it. Because <laughs> he's he opened your eyes to something you didn't see. Because your own personal interest, you can't see so all the time. And that saves a person from trouble later on. And also to be close to that rabbi, take classes from from, from qualified people who give over Musar classes about fixing their character. And if you hope to be close to somebody that can help you out, if a person does have a problem and you can't figure it out, you can't put a finger on the problem, go to someone that you can talk over with, they give you some time, and they see the angle that you don't see the angle, that's an outside angle, they can see it better than you. You're inside the pot. They see the aerial view. They can give you ideas of how about how to go about fixing things in life. And that's why it's so important to have a rabbi. Single or married, especially married, or middle says married, of course he wants to have a single before he's married, but a married couple should right away have a rabbi that they both respect and trust his opinion and go to him and save themselves a lifetime of trouble, they say to themselves. A lot of trouble could be avoided by having uh, somebody spiritual on the side that you respect, that can give you ideas and that can see the faults and, and, and save the day and save the peace. Those who have rabbis have a better life. They're able to 
go through certain things that people will just on their own just will just fall down get knocked out from it sooner or later they find themselves in who knows where so that's at least one message for today with Hashem among many messages that the, the story despises the awesome story is Parasha you can just read the Parasha and just go through it all nice story there's so much in the Parasha but at least today we took that one way where we just said Hashem should help us to be young with Hashem to be able to discover ourselves the truth about ourselves in, in a good way and be able to work on ourselves become better people and be able to do better things for other people too in the world I'm in mean.